Maggie McIneer. And uh, you say my last name, McIneer, like a Big Mac in your ear. That's a way for everybody to remember my last name. It's not McIneer. It's McIneer. Anyway, I'm the owner of uh, Bad Madge and Company in South Park. And today we are doing our fourth episode of our podcast. And I'm so excited to have my friend Michelle Alberg. <laughs> As our guest. Hi, Michelle. Hello, hello. <laughs> hello. Hello. So before we get into our little Q&A with Michelle, and Michelle's our sales manager for Bad Madge, and I consider her now one of my dear friends. Okay, so uh, in June, we have our Tiki Party, and we will be having it on June 17th. It's a Saturday from 5 to 8. We're going to have food and drinks. We'll have a rum drink, a little tiki drink, and bring Dad down because it is Father's Day weekend, and we're going to have Xenia. Uh, she is a ukulele player and will be performing, and then maybe some of her hula girls. So I'm excited mm, about that. We exciting. have our annual party every year. We took a break during COVID, but I'm glad to have it back. And we transformed the store into Tiki Land. So it is really exciting. You get to see all our rattan and tiki things that we've been collecting. And then in July, if you haven't heard, and you're maybe <laughs> under a rock somewhere, we're going to be celebrating the new Barbie movie. Mm. Yes. Uh, Margot Robbie has kicked off a Barbie explosion, and uh, it's going to be exciting. We're going to do our little Barbie tribute in July, and we're going to have a party on July 8th. So come down. We'll have, I don't know, cotton candy and just kind of Barbie-esque. It'll be fun and kitschy and kind of campy. Mm -hmm. It'll be from 5 to 8 on July 8th. So it'll be a fun event for our store. And then in July, we also have the Pride Festival in San Diego. It's a huge Pride um, Festival. It's one of the largest in the country. And that is, you know, something that we always like to support. So we'll have lots of rainbow items in stock, in stock so you can uh, show your Pride support. And guess what? We are closed on July 4th. And guess whose birthday it is? Yours. It is. <laughs> I'm a firecracker. Happy birthday. Yes. Spark. Um, it's like having your birthday on Christmas, yeah. actually. Uh, yeah. It's not always the funnest, but you know, I try to do the best with it. And yes, I will be 56. 56. 56. Uh, the 50s have been a good, they've been good yeah. for me. Yeah. Anyway, so Michelle, welcome to our Hello. podcast. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you for being here. <laughs> so tell our listeners. How you got to San Diego? Because you're not originally from San Diego. No, I'm not originally from anywhere. I don't. <laughs> um, well, uh, I was born in Buffalo, New York. Then we moved to South Carolina, and then we moved to uh, Western Mass, okay. and then we moved to Georgia. So where kind of hopscotch. I've gone up and down the East Coast okay. um, and then made my way out West uh, after college and came out here with my now husband, Sasha. <laughs> yeah, just kind of decided to uh, come out and explore my own move versus a move based on, you know, where my family was moving yeah. and where we had to be. And um, it's... It's the place now that I've lived the longest. I don't feel Californian, but I love being in California. Okay. So you like San Diego. I love San Diego. Yeah. I love San Diego. And it's its own 
It's got its own distinct little identity. It really does. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I love it here. And so how, you, there was a big transfer in your life. You were working in craft services, mm-hmm. right? So tell people kind of how that, how that happened. Well, I've um, got a strange background, a lot of restaurant experience. And then I tried to do a um, corporate stint because I felt like I needed to be sitting behind a desk to be, you know, a real human being and <laughs> and get a 401k and all of those great things, which I did. I did for many years. But um, one of the things I always did was I always baked and I love cooking and um, people would ask me to cater things, make desserts. Um, whenever it was like a family event, I always you know, found myself in the kitchen, my favorite place to be. I think because of my heritage, my mom, my grandmother, I grew up standing next to someone in the kitchen learning. Oh, okay. So at work when we would have, you know, events or whatever, I always catered desserts for the events. And people then would ask me um, at my corporate job to make their kids' birthday cakes and things like that. So how did you get into, like, TV and film? Years ago, my friend, since high school, he is in L.A., and he is uh, actor, director, slash everything, and he asked me if I would do a dessert table for one of his films. It was a horror film. He just said, you know, can you bring some dessert and coffee? I was like, yeah, sure. And then the way my brain works is like I have to, you it was know, like a knock hole. it out yeah, of the yeah. park. Yeah, so I found out all about the film, and it was um, called Hansel versus Gretel. It's a, okay. a mockbuster from the asylum. And so it, uh, we were filming in a pet cemetery in L.A. overnight. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was really great. So I decided to just do a themed table for the crew twigs out and spray painted them black and stuck snakes in them i made cookies that were 666 cookies and all sorts of random you know caramel apples and i just kind of really did it up um theme wise he loved it everybody loved it and then they kept asking me to come back and and do dessert tables and then I left my corporate job, and he asked me to come to Montana and film a film with the Backstreet Boys in sync. Oh, and my goodness. That was like my first big craft services job with them. And I was in Butte, Montana for three weeks wow. with every boy band that every girl could imagine <laughs> working with that I literally um, grew was, up to. Yeah. I didn't I didn't really grow up to oh, it. Okay. So I was kind of like, you know, the, Who are the these random anti-semi-goth mod girl in the middle <laughs> of all these, you know, very excited people to be working with these guys. And they were all just wonderful and sweet and kind. And it was a difficult job, but I really felt like I was in my space. Yeah. And I loved it. I love serving people, yeah. being creative, and I like being behind the scenes as much as people kind of try to push me in front, like today yeah. on the podcast. I'm putting you on in the front. <laughs> so, and then COVID hit. And then COVID hit. So after doing about, I, I think I did 22 productions mm-hmm. right wow. as COVID was hitting. Wow. Um, in March, I was hearing all of it because I had my table set up. Everybody is like in a bubble when you're on a set. And so I was listening to the news while everyone was kind of working and I would go out shopping and slowly things weren't on the shelves. Mm. And so it was really, it was, it was March that the film was wrapping up and we were getting ready to close down the set. I was, 
you know, telling everybody this is really bad. I can't get water. I can't get anything. For you the knew crew. it was coming. So I knew it was coming. Um, I actually left the set a couple days early because I was in LA at the time. Mm. Yeah. After that, I just uh, pretty much shuttered my my business, your life, and my life, and decided, well, what can I what can I do now without touching, talking, dealing <laughs> with people? And I'd always um, was a thrifting type of person and I had so much of my own personal stuff and I just I've been doing it a little bit online anyway okay I always have like a so that was kind of the open door for you to see if you could do something yeah and I always have a few burners going so even while I was side hustling on film side hustle side side hustle we call it side hustle side hustles actually like all my side hustles are have side hustles themselves (laughs) so um you know I just I thought okay well I'm gonna I'm gonna try this out with on film, I always used like vintage vessels and things mm. like that for the table. So I, I had like a huge stockpile of stuff, stuff, because yeah. I, I themed every table almost every day. Okay. I tried to do a little bit of a different look and a different uh-huh. theme. So I started to think how I need to get rid of this stuff yeah. if I'm not, I don't know when I'm going to go back. Right. So I started offloading all my vintage stuff that went on so my table. So like Pyrex or what were you like offloading? Pyrex, antique jars, gumball machines. Um, like just trays and cat- trays. I, I can picture like cake tables and yeah, the cake, trays yeah. and things like that. I okay. had um, all sorts of, you know, even the utensils and everything mm. that I used um, for people to, to pick were all, you know, kind of... Cool. Upcycling. Upcycled. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. So that started happening and people were cooking and baking and A doing lot. all of that. So it, it kind of took off and I yeah. was shipping or, um, you know, I was doing porch pickups so people would come yeah, to the I door and that too. Yeah. Yeah, I would wave at them through the window. <laughs> so <laughs> I started an Instagram page just, you know, on a whim and thought this will be fun ended up joining a vintage community online and they were just you know we did sort of online group sales together and things like that Cool. okay are you still part of that community uh that community dispersed um and sort of little micro communities came Mm, out of it Mm. yeah we all are still kind of connected keep in touch sort of isn't it it's i think covid did a lot of different things for people good and bad yeah you know and look at you kind of found a passion that you always kind of had yeah and i i found my peoples yeah. i found people that are incredibly nostalgic yeah. empathic yeah. and you know really really love finding treasure out yeah. there yeah and it was a very feel good thing to see what people were finding or unearthing from their families yeah. that you know we were all stuck at home so we were thinking of okay what are what do i have that is sort of from my parents that I could sell and give to somebody else. Yeah, make a little money and and it it doesn't go in the landfill, which is one of the things I love. Yeah. So, okay, Pyrex. Mm. Okay, Mm. so we're going to do our, before we go a little deeper into, you know, the things that you like to collect and pick, um, I would like to do our fun facts for vintage fanatics. (laughs) Okay. I'm putting Michelle on the spot because she does not know. I'm not going to let her see my notes here. I'm trying to peek. (laughs) So our producer, Brian, kind of gives me little notes on things that we can add to our podcast. And we do this fun facts for vintage fanatics. And this month we're doing it on Pyrex. So Michelle, uh, what piece of Pyrex is typically known as the rarest print? Oh, God. 
I mean, now this is gonna it, again. This is like can be no... slightly subjective, I guess you could say. But when I googled it, I saw immediately why, and I was like, "Wow, I've never seen that one." I'm only one coffee in, so I can't <laughs> really. I'm not that sharp. Um, it is. It is a little early on the uptake for can me. You think um, of one that might like stand out to you. I can I see it. It's like a a black pattern, mm. um, but oh. that probably isn't it it I could mean, be who knows but the one when i googled it the one that came up um was the lucky in love casserole dish oh and i had never seen it before and it is darling it is a you know white the white pyrex the uh traditional white pyrex that we all know and it has hearts pink hearts and little four-leaf clovers oh wow and it's just the most darling print and if i saw one i think i might pass out yeah okay um, now I'm gonna... based on my google the google search the you know um one of them actually sold for around four thousand wow. dollars so that's wow. you know obviously a lot of money for one uh casserole dish but i think pyrex has become this such it's like it has a life of its own mm-hmm. There's yeah. so many people that collect it. Yeah. Um, there's so many communities around Pyrex. Mm-hmm. I've seen hundreds of either TikTok mm-hmm. or Instagram, you know, videos and posts of people going into a thrift store and, you know, the, the, you know, the music builds and the person finds this, you know, amazing piece of Pyrex on the shelf, or it could be just the opposite where they go and, and they go to pick it up and you can immediately tell that it was put into the dishwasher yeah. and killed, which always makes me so sad. I'm guilty of making those videos. Oh, I love, you? yeah, I love, I love my hand reaching out and touching a new piece of Pyrex and yeah. picking off the shelf. Isn't it funny? It's very fun. Pyrex is, it really speaks to that nostalgia Mm -hmm. of grandma or Mm -hmm. mom or, you know, your favorite aunt or somebody that you, like you said, you were next to in the kitchen Mm -hmm. and they have their piece. Of course, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, there's a whole like storyline around her Pyrex Mm -hmm. that she uses to bribe to get her husband at the time, the, the first episode or first uh, season of Mrs. Maisel, um, you know, she uses that Pyrex to get her husband up onto the stage to yeah. do comedy. So if you haven't seen it, you know, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel definitely uses Pyrex. And it's fun to spot the yes. Pyrex. Yes. And especially, you know, if you go back and you look at Mad Men, or oh, any, yeah. I used to take pictures. <clears throat> if I see Fire King or Pyrex yeah. and any of the, you know, TV shows or whatever. And there are, you know, Instagram pages and things. Like the Brady Bunch. Dedicated. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you just kind of find find the Pyrex and you take a little snap of it. Yeah. And it's really funny to find out what pattern it is. Yeah. And there are people that collect all sorts of different patterns. I'm a little bit freakish that I have a Pyrex inventory in my phone. Oh, you do? And yeah, so I, I have You're all You're way the more advanced than I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm a, I like to organize things, so I have all of the, the pieces that I should have, and then I have them um, sort of ticked off, the ones okay. that I do have. That you're looking for, That I'm too. looking for, and okay. the dates of when they were produced. Oh, my and goodness. Okay. Not that I retain much knowledge in my head. Yeah. Like, I don't know the... You just know what the, the visceral feeling of it when you find one. Yeah, and there... People get Pyrex tattoos. People are, you know, I mean, there there is a whole level. I mean, there are yes. tears. Yeah, there I'm really Pyrex is. light, I would say, but um, yeah, it is. <laughs> the, yeah, it is the nostalgia. I, don't know. I think you it. might be a little bit because I'm really Pyrex light, but oh. I think you're a little above me because I don't even. I looked at my. I'm not a big cook personally, but okay. you're a cook, so yeah. you actually use it. I mean, I have a few pieces, but nothing of any kind of collection. Pyrex has become this like really intense thing and during covid 
that was one of the things that we sold a lot mm-hmm. of, you know, mm-hmm. as, as a, a reseller in the store. Pyrex was really popular because people were cooking and they were really like... We're making bread and yeah. there's nothing better than the four-quart bowl to let your dough rise in. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so I've never made better bread in my life than when I've, you know, greased up a, you know... A good Pyrex bowl. A good Pyrex bowl <laughs> and then, you know, covered it. And it's just, it is something um, about about that. You just feel like the quality... And there, it is the quality of yeah. the, the Pyrex that you know, withstands a test of time. Totally. It's, it's hard to find or to shatter one. And yeah. when you do, it is heartbreaking. Yes, but. yes, it is heartbreaking. <laughs> so a little background, and um, it, the company is uh, Corning Glassworks mm-hmm. Company, and they started in 1915. Mm-hmm. So they've been around a long time, yeah. over 100 years, which is, you know, that, that tells you something. They've stood the, the test of time. Mm-hmm. And how do you tell... A vintage Pyrex from a new Pyrex, because Pyrex is still being made. Right. And if you're looking, maybe you're out at a thrift store, you go to a, you know, maybe you're at a yard sale or whatever, and you're like, how do I know if this is vintage Pyrex? I just recently learned this. I didn't know this. And again, in this business, you're always learning, Mm -hmm. and you're always trying to educate yourself. So the capital Pyrex is the key indicator of if you see Pyrex, the word Pyrex uh, spelt out in capitalization, then you know it's vintage. Yep, absolutely. Um, so that's one way to know. Um, and, you know, they, I, I hope I'm selling, saying this right. It, it was made out of bor- borosilicate, borosilicate, I think that's how you say it, glass, which is a, a boron oxide and silica combo. So it's, it, it is highly heat resistant and it only expanded like 33%. So in the seventies, it was sometime in the seventies when they shifted over and changed their, the way the, the Pyrex was actually made and they're using a different kind of glass and now it's not as maybe as sturdy you know again everything changes and I think that's one of the things I love about vintage is it's much better made right you know things were better made I mean there's so many different prints I was just on Instagram this morning and I was scrolling and I saw that it was lid week Mm -hmm. and these people were posting all these different lids like the spiral graph and I was like oh my god I've never seen that there's so many different prints that I've never even seen before and they've they've created so many do you have a favorite print I love personally I'm really into the pinks and the blues okay and i love gooseberry obviously that's like one of the more uh earlier patterns it's very collectible very collectible i so i'm very into i'm at different ages i've had different yeah different ones i liked i loved like you know the crazy daisy i loved all the greens i think those were some of the first ones that i loved but i'm at the stage where i love snowflakes and pinks and blues and and that kind of thing, the earlier patterns. But I also love um, the primary color bowls, okay, which yeah. are really hard to to find. And they're some of the a good set ones, a especially set. if it's not worn or yeah. like you know that glassy. And there is a trick in the trade to make it look uh, shiny is using like coconut oil. Mm-hmm. But it's hard. You don't want to do that if you're reselling, and you you don't want to like um, you know try to pass off something that's not really in the best quality. If you're displaying it in your home and you want to make it look shiny, coconut oil can do that. You do have to be careful, though, if you are 
reselling or even using it yourself and you use the coconut oil it has such a high burn rate mm. that you don't want to bake with it because it, it can turn it. turn it black oh, okay. yeah yes. so you so have to be very careful be careful if you're just displaying it then maybe yeah. yeah and if not wash that off before you actually yeah. use it there's a couple of accounts that I follow on Instagram, and I'll give them a little shout out. Pyrex Therapy, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorites. It's so and soothing to watch. It is. Uh, yeah. And she'll, she does soothing. these, uh, I'm assuming it's a she. Mm-hmm. She does these sales, and she'll post. And I, I'm, again, I'm not a big Pyrex buyer, you know, but I love seeing it. Yeah. Like to see which, how she, and she is just amazing, her hunting, and she's yeah. always finding new things and really works really hard at it. And then Pyrex Owl is another one that yeah. I like. Yeah. And Pyrex and Plants. Pyrex and Plants is fun. Okay. It was one of the first ones. Yeah. That I, and I, I like her feed. The colors are all like she had some stuff about the Brady Bunch. And, you know, you had made a little funny comment one time, and I thought that was really cute. Tell them the brown. Oh, yeah. If it's brown, put it down. I, I don't know where I picked that up, but. Um, in terms of reselling, yeah. um, but a lot of people love like Forest Fancies and all the, you know, the one with the mushrooms and everything yeah. like that, which is, you know, you've got like your 70s patterns yeah. and stuff. It's definitely um, more 70s. Yeah. Definitely more 70s. So, yeah, I think I kind of stuck that in your head. You, you did. said that after I said that you were, I a think, little somewhere more... shopping and yeah, you're I was like, like oh. I'm going to put that down. <laughs> It's brown. Yeah, so, I mean, I noticed that, like, as a reseller, yeah, the brown is harder to sell. Yeah. For whatever reason. And I think everything is cyclical, and you'll see that it'll come back around mm-hmm. again, you know, as, you know, people age, their their childhood then comes into their, you know, mindset when they get into a home and they're, like, right. decorating, they might incorporate that into their home. Well, when you go back to when you were talking about how Pyrex was originally made, you find a lot of the older pieces are like scratched or scraped or yeah. somebody's put them in the dishwasher, used abrasives. And then the way I at least distinguish the newer pieces, kind of in the 80s when they were doing the really um, primary colors and stuff, but they had clear bottoms. Mm. And then you started seeing the clear bowls. And mm. those you'll see are chipped when you, you go find them. Um. So you kind of can sort of tell that the quality changed yeah, a little a, bit there a, with the glass shift. Yeah. shift. Yeah. yeah. But otherwise, it's it's hard to find a chipped bowl. You'll find it, it's been well-loved, but yeah. not chipped. Yeah. Okay, so we've done our Pyrex uh, little talk. Um, tell us a little bit of, like, what you like to collect and, you know, maybe a little bit of your sort of aesthetic. How would you describe it? Hmm. Well, I love, obviously, mid-century. Um, I love, uh, you know, really lovely, like, teak and oak and all that kind of walnut pieces stuff like that all the really like uh hairpin legs and okay. i love all the you know really clean lines and stuff i'm not super postmodern but i do love kind of the postmodern 80s i'm again i shift and move and change you know when i was younger it was all like i love antique victorian you know kind of stuff but now it's definitely cleaner lines i'd say i, I feel my your home is very decorated in mid-century. Mid-century, in yeah. yeah. And I like I, I love a theme. So you know when I when I hit that 1950s mark, and obviously you know that Mad Men aesthetic on the external world brought a lot of that into mm-hmm. everyone's uh, lexicon now. Um, I just I love finding pieces out in the wild that are really really beautiful that no one else would have, and putting it together and. I think maybe also film set and seeing the mm. the set designers do things 
my husband will often say, this is our house. It's not a, a set. So, you know, like we have to live, live in certain spaces. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I think more so the 50s and the early 60s is okay. where I like to yeah, live. And too. even our wedding was 1950s, uh, 60s oriented. Oh, really? So, yeah. That's fun. Yeah. So I love, I just love the clean lines, the simplicity of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do love Atomic and the, you know, kind of all the little boomerangs and things like that, but not personally. I kind of like it to look like stuffy man's office, I guess. Okay. From the 50s. That's a way to I don't know. I kind of have stuffy that. man's office. Okay. Yeah. I always think of um, uh, John Hamm in mm-hmm. Mad Men for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Walking so into my house. You, you've had a few really good like fines. Talk about that Q-tip lamp. Well, the Q-tip lamp was, was really wild. And that was something that I found online from a a local seller. And it, it literally looked like a, I guess maybe it was taller than me. So it was like about five, five, maybe this wonderful shade that looked like a Q-tip. It was kind of a linen looking shade that had stayed preserved and then an oak base to it. And I had it rewired and um, I thought I'm going to keep this and I just, it didn't really, I didn't feel an attachment to it and I kind of have to feel attached to something Mm -hmm. to keep it in my house. Mm -hmm. But if I love it enough, I'm going to buy it and I want someone else to have it. Enjoy it, yeah. So I held on to it for a couple of years and it just kind of, maybe it was a little too funky for me. Okay. You know, kind of like that, that clean look. And um, so I brought it into Bad Madge and thought, well, somebody's going to love this. And they did. And, and they really did. And I was so glad to meet the person. That's yeah, the best part is it to is. meet the person that I gets agree. connected with those pieces. So I agree. there was that. And I had a dining set from Canada. So beautiful. It was beautiful. It's on our feed, on our Instagram. And it's just an incredible set. Yeah. yeah. And the manufacturer of it, it was kind of like in a store in Canada from what I was uh, told, like a Dillard's or something mm-hmm. like that, where... They had home goods, and the man who made the furniture only made it for a short period of time, and Mm. he was a wrestler or a boxer, and in order to test his pieces, so this was kind of in the the 50s, he would, you know, stand on them and throw them against the wall to see if I know it's sturdy. Wow, okay. To see if they were sturdy. So some of the pictures you'll find of him, he's like standing on his chairs, and he's this big, you know, (laughs) gruff guy, but it was just such a a beautiful table. Really beautiful set. We have a smaller uh, dining room now in our house. It's a 1950 bungalow. And so it just didn't fit. So yeah. I needed it to go somewhere. And and you got to sell it through Bad Match. And see who got it. Yeah. And that's that's the best. And knowing that they just love it is yeah. great. And when people send us pictures of the things that you've sourced yeah. in their home, it, you it, feel like you have connected. Yes. It's that customer experience I think is, you know, what I love about the store and being able to really connect with a customer and make their day. Mm -hmm. And you know, that idea of like, Oh, spend your money on experiences. And I hear that. I'm like, I kind of roll my eyes. I'm like, really? You know, when you buy something that really has an intrinsic joy to it to me that's a great way to spend your money oh yeah and it's something that you'll have forever Mm -hmm. and you know i mean i have a nice china cabinet in my home that's from my parents it has these memories that are attached to it not only is it a beautiful piece and aesthetically gorgeous mid-century piece but it also is like it's been in the home 
I live in my parents' home, the house I grew up in, mm-hmm. and this piece has been with my family since, you know, the 50s, and right. it's kind of amazing. So I think I really want people to think about, especially young people coming, you know, starting to maybe start out their life and they're de- decorating their home. Think about those pieces from your grandparents or your parents and incorporating them into your life in a way that fits your aesthetic, but also can really add a special warmth and and joy to your feelings in your home. Yeah, it's the good energy and the the people of, you know, if it was your family, that they're they're there, you know, kind of in part in your home. Mm -hmm. Whenever I take out a piece in the kitchen that, you know, was my mother's or Mm -hmm. see it, even if I just, I don't want to use it, it's displayed there. I feel like it's kind of helping me, yeah, Yeah. along the way, do whatever I'm doing. So I think one of the things that for me... I'm Armenian. We always have to drop that we're Armenian. If you're Armenian anywhere, tell somebody. (laughs) Um, And being Armenian and growing up in a home with, uh, you know, my my grandmother lived with my parents from the time they were married. And, um, you know, genocide survivors, you know, they're always telling um, stories and and how we've lost bits and pieces of our cultural Mm -hmm. heritage. So I think one of the things that attached me to vintage was sort of reclaiming mm-hmm. that part of my heritage and knowing how precious certain objects were that my family was able to keep and how much they worked as mm-hmm. immigrants to buy what they Those bought items, every bowl yeah. every everything somebody really worked very hard to to have that yeah. and so it is passing that along yeah. that kind of you know it's very important when you get something from my family because it 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 was it was very uh hard worked for yeah so that's kind of what i i love about it about vintage yeah about vintage and my grandfather was a a tailor and had a store in lebanon where my dad's side of the family is from and went after the genocide and so like in high school i wore his old suits and his old um, coats that he made and he was an expert at what he did I studied in France, and um, his store was beautiful. So I still, I still at the shop wear some of, some of his vests and, yeah, and, and things like that. Before, yeah. yeah, so that's an area of pride. So it, it kind of helped inform my my style when I was younger, even in just as a freshman in high school. You know, wearing Lisa Bonet style, yes, you know, suits okay. and yeah. stuff like that. Awesome. Yeah, so it's always been part of my life. Vintage, yeah. cool. I think fun to tell people are sort of how we first connected. (laughs) So, you know, one of the things I, I, I do is I'm always looking for like vintage Christmas and vintage Halloween. And, you know, I'm always looking for things that have a certain aesthetic that fits our customer. You know, we're, Mm -hmm. again, we're customer centric and uh, I, spotted a blow mold it was a um <laughs> pumpkin mm-hmm. on i think it was on offer up mm-hmm. i think yep, it was, on, it offer was up. on offer and, up i mean it was a little more than i wanted to necessarily pay but i was excited <laughs> about it because i was reselling well yeah. yeah you were reselling and you know again as a picker you need to be able to flip totally, it totally yeah and that is you know key to us you know continuing yeah. what we do and to be able to survive so we, I ended up reaching out to you. You, I did, I didn't know you, but mm-hmm. you had shopped in the store oh, many times. You. you knew me, oh, and I that happens you. to me a lot. When people know me, 
I don't always know them. Yeah. And I and people call me Madge all the time. Yeah, yeah. And my name is not Madge. It's Tanya. <laughs> that happens all the time where people call me Madge. And that's okay. I, I love mind. it. Yeah. I don't mind at all because it's, you know, fits the fits the store. So I think I reached out to you, you and I just came across a little note. You wrote a little, really sweet little note that you had attached to the, the, the pumpkin. And I still have that pumpkin. Do you? It didn't end up selling. <laughs> and I kind of feel like I should just keep it now that you know, we've become friends. So you brought it over, you're in the store and you're looking around and I get this, to get the, the pumpkin. And I think you just kind of in passing mentioned that you had a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. I have a huge inventory and you know, it was kind of time to sort of offload a little bit of it. And when um, somebody says that it's like this ding. carrot and you, you, in, in my business, we always say, you know, keep the poker face Yeah, uh, because you definitely don't want the person to see how excited you are, even though your heart is racing and you're about mm-hmm. to pee your pants. <laughs> Um, but you're like, oh my God, I want to see what she has. So I think you said, well, why don't you come over? Yeah. And I, okay. And so then I went over and it was a beautiful day. It was hot. It was really hot. Yeah. And we were out in your backyard. Mm -hmm. I I remember being like, oh God, again, I had to, you know, knock it out of the park. So I wanted to merchandise everything for you. You know, I love vintage Halloween is my jam. I love Halloween in general, but I love blow molds. I collect blow molds as well. That's a whole other topic for another day. (laughs) And uh, so I thought, okay, well, how can I make this easy on her? So I wanted to merchandise like the Christmas all together, the Halloween together, all the pirates and stuff. And I did. And then I had bins out, empty bins, so you could put stuff in the bins. And I just thought, okay, let's make this an easy experience, because I'm sure she shows up to some shit shows, and Uh, I didn't want to be one. (laughs) Sometimes I like the shit shows that that we're going to a horde tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. So, and I I was all excited, and we're chatting and having a really nice little time, and you were so sweet. You're like, it's hot, are you hungry? I'm going to go to Starbucks, (laughs) get us something to eat and some water. And I'm sitting on the lawn and in her backyard and the, you know, the big, and most people probably are very familiar with the green and I mean the, the black and yellow bins yes, that you can yes, get at Costco, Costco or bins, Home Depot yeah. or wherever, you know, I'm sitting there going through all these bins and they're nicely labeled and everything. And, and she comes back and she's standing there with these two coffees or something. I can't remember what you, what, maybe it was a water and a coffee. I can't yeah, remember what we were. A coffee with one uh, sugar and the raw and almond milk. That's I it. I think is yeah, your, your oat drink. Milk. Or oat milk. milk. Yes. That yeah. is my drink. And I looked up at her, and she's standing there with a dream. I'm like, we need to be friends. And, and poor little Michelle was like, what did you say? What do you mean? We're not friends? Or, I was like, I thought we were. But I mean, it was like, you know, it was like this thing where you're just immediately attracted to somebody as like a, a kindred spirit. And it was like this opening door of like, it, and you know, when you're a kid, it's so easy to make friends. But as yeah. you get older, it's hard. Yeah. it gets harder. And finding somebody that has similar, like, values, similar, like, interests, that's not an easy thing it's to find, easy. you know. I mean, it's, I don't know, is there, is there a, uh, an app nowadays find, find for friends? For friends, middle-aged like, friends. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, I don't know. I think we, and I can't remember. So, how did it work? I called you out of the blue. I had to work on a Friday. Yeah. Uh, depending on where you live, there's estatesales.net. That's not a yes. secret. Everybody knows about it. 
There's an app. You can go on their website, and no matter where you live in the country, they'll show you where all the estate sales mm-hmm. are for that day or the weekend. And if or you're lucky, you get pictures of yes. what you could So encounter. I had found an estate sale. I think actually another picker sent it to me. Yes. Mark from yep. Mark's Vintage Toys, and he's a great guy. He collects toys. Maybe we can get him on the podcast at mm. some point. He's a really fun guy, and he collects toys, and he's, and he's a flipper, and he does – I mean, he's very into, like – Vintage toys. Does a lot of like vintage, the early Star Wars stuff. Anyway, so he knows I do vintage Christmas. So he sent me this thing and I couldn't go. And I was so, <laughs> like, I, I, I didn't know how. It's was, heartbreaking. Yeah, heartbreaking. Yeah. I was freaking out. Yeah. And I had to open the store that morning. I think, I can't remember for whatever reason, there wasn't somebody to open the store. I had to be there. And, you know, you got to be there. And, you're, and, and, re, and in retail, consistency is key. Right. If you say you're going to be open at 10, you got to be open at 10. Mm-hmm. Unless the building is burning, you want to be open at 10. So I think I called you. I told, I asked you, I said, will you be me yeah. and go to this, <laughs> you know, estate sale? Mm-hmm. What did I can't remember like Well, I remember just being like, Okay, I'm gonna you know, I thought I'm I'm gonna meet like fifty people and they're gonna be pushing me around and then, you know, I start out everything with like a bunch of anxiety and then I <laughs> I create a plan out of that and then I create another plan out of that and then um probably four other micro plans. But I remember when you called me, you told me the time, you know, I had everything. I just decided that I was gonna nail this because yeah. It was the first time I'd gone to an estate sale. Really? Yes. No, I, I didn't know that. that. Yeah, I did it was not my know first that. experience. Oh my gosh! So, and I told you to get there early. Yeah. I sent Melissa. Yeah. Who was our operations manager at the time? And I gave you. I sent. We went over all the pictures of the things I wanted. Mm-hmm. But see, because I knew you were a picker, and I knew you had an eye for it, because not everybody has an eye for it, right? And not, you know, Melissa. Even though she was our operations manager, it just wasn't her thing. Yeah, she she was she was really good at, at other things, but that that part of it I knew because you you had already sort of tuned your eye. Yeah, and I knew she would be your back, you know, like your wingman. Yeah. and be really good about like organizing everything and getting it all. So it yeah, was, she was great. We tag teamed the, yeah. the thing she had. I had bags on my arms, and she had bags on her arms. <laughs> she would wave at me and point at something, and I'd give her a thumbs up to put it in the bag. And I just literally went in and scooped and we, everything we I could. We got a lot. You got a lot. We got a lot. We it was a honey hole. It was really fun, and I connected with the woman who was selling yeah. all the stuff, and um, she, you know, was able to negotiate with her. But I remember getting there like, you know, an hour early and sitting in my car and just, you know, thinking I'm going to be that first person in line. And, I'm gonna be and I was. And um, a couple people turned off the person at the house because they Can't rang the that. doorbell. Yeah. So I just, you know, etiquette, all of that kind of had a sense of what was right and what was wrong. And yeah, it was fun because I felt like I was shopping for myself. Yeah. And that's that's always kind of how I feel I take a lot of personal responsibility. And you did. And it like really that. was a, and it started out like slowly, but surely you helped me price some things. Mm-hmm. And now you're our sales now manager. <laughs> how did this happen? Well, you know, you have a background in sales yeah. and that was really important. So, you know, we're getting kind of close to the end of our podcast, but I, you know, I feel like I have a lifelong friend in you. Same. And, you know, I think if you come into the store and you see Michelle, you'll see the smile on her face. Aww the genuine like you really care about 
vintage. You really care about Bad Madge. You you take ownership, and I think that you're almost like I, when someone works at the store, they're kind of an extension of me. Mm-hmm. You know, I love the vintage community. I love. I also love helping other people, so yeah. I think we've helped each other. Yeah, and that's a big part of like the the store. So thank you for being thank on our podcast you. today. Thank you. We're like Lucy and Ethel in the store, and it, it feels like <laughs> feels like we're at that you know the chocolate yes. scene where you know and for me I'm the one sticking chocolate in my mouth because I it feels like I'm working in like the best chocolate factory yeah. ever. It's not a job. It really yeah. is it's really fun. so fun, and you yeah. make it just thank very you. exciting thank and you. fun. So thank you. Uh, thank you for being here. We'll, we're going to wrap up our fourth episode of uh, Vintage Picking with Bad Madge. And, you know, if you, you're listening, please share with your friends. Yeah. Uh, subscribe. We always shout love. Shout out. Yeah, yeah, shout out. And I saw a friend last night for dinner who I've known for 30 years, and I told her about the podcast. She said, oh, my God, I can't wait to listen. So please, you know, share with your friends. Um, you know, next month we will be having another uh, special guest. So each month we'll have a special guest. Right now we're doing it once a month. And just kind of giving people a sort of a sneak behind the scenes of what vintage picking is. And, you know, we really want to introduce you to other people in, in the business. Mm-hmm. And do you want to tell people how they can find you on Instagram? Sure. I'm mid-century Mishi on um, Instagram. So uh, mid-century and M-I-C-H-I, mid-century Mishi. Yeah, you can find me there. And I often share a lot of um, Bad Madge posts and stories so you might see me in some of bad madge's stories yes you do yes (laughs) you know we if you have a question or you want you know maybe you have a a suggestion please feel free to email us you can email us at badmadgepodcast at gmail.com and don't forget to hit that like and comment button you know we want you to subscribe and, and help us grow the show and get us discovered out into the podcast world so thank you everybody for joining us. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you for having me. Thank you to our producer Brian. I hope everybody has a great day. Thank you. Bye.